Yeah, I hope you're really excited about what I'm going to talk today. Um, we don't hear about submission, do we, very much. Um, it's not a word that we're used to accustomed to, but I'm so excited about talking about submission this morning. It must have been absolutely incredibly amazing to walk with Jesus. One of the things I'd love to do, you know, sometimes you'd be beamed back thousands of years ago, some kids' programmes you get, you get beamed back to the times of dinosaurs and stuff like that. And um, I would love to be beamed back and to be one of the disciples that hung out with Jesus. It must have been amazing to hear him. He, I reckon he was a, a majorly great um, speaker because anybody who can lead 5,000 people into the desert without food has got to be able to preach. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he healed people. You've got to see, you know, the kingdom of God in action. It would have been really cool. And then you've got the friends' benefits. you got to eat, yeah? So there's loads of fishes. You've got loads of food left over there. And um, you also, Peter, one day when Jesus was cooking fish on the beach, swam over and got a fish sandwich. You know, there's friends' benefits involved being around Jesus. Uh, so really cool to be with him. And in the most popular times of Jesus' life, I bet the disciples are like, I'm with him. Excuse me, out the way. I need to near, be near the master because I'm with him. Uh, you got to see Jesus when he laid hands on people and then you were with them, him because you took a bit of that because you was with Jesus. And you saw God do stuff. But it was cool to be with Jesus. Yeah? It was cool to be with Jesus. He had major, powerful influence of people around him. But this morning, I'm not talking about the uptimes. I'm not talking about how cool it is to be where there are power and influence and things going on. I'm talking about submission this morning. And I want to talk to you about submission because I think that submission is where our life really starts with Christ. And when I'm focusing on mission, one of my real heart's desires is that my feet might never get out anywhere else in the world, but he has laid a heart of missions upon me to go out and share the gospel. And, and he's doing that with my life now, and I love it. But I want us to be a church who send people out. We want to be people who go out into the highways and the byways, whether it's in Northampton, whether it's in Manchester, whether it's in um, Kuala Lumpur, whether it's, wherever it is in the world, we want to be feet whose, people whose feet are ready to take the gospel of peace out. And so this is why I'm talking about submission, because I truly believe this is where it starts. This is where it starts. Having the heart of a missionary starts with submission. So, yeah, it's not a word we're accustomed to. Um, some people have misused the word submission. Uh, most people don't really understand the word submission. They think to be submissive is to be weak. And to be submissive is to be vulnerable. But actually, you've got to be super strong to be submissive. You have got to be a powerful person to be submissive. You, because it's okay. Anybody can say, if you say, well, you go to the shops, you want to go shopping, yeah, I'll go shopping, no problem with me. I'll go out there, Debenhams, whatever. <laughs> but if someone calls you, will you go out into the streets where the prostitutes are and will you preach the gospel? It's hard to be submissive. You have to be strong to be submissive. 
You're not a disciple because you follow Jesus when things are going well. You're not a disciple when things are popular. Just a disciple. You are, but you're not just a disciple when things are popular. Anybody in here or anybody can be caught up in the wind when people are shouting, Jesus! Yeah? Anybody can, when the power of God is there and you get caught up and you say, yes, I believe! I believe he's the Messiah! Anybody can do that. You can be in a conference where you really feel uplifted by the Holy Spirit. Even an atheist would bend the knee, surrounded by the presence of God. But you're not a disciple just when that happens. What happens when the crowds disappear? What happens when the wind stops? What happens when there's no music? Who will stand for God? Who will stand for God when there is nobody else around? We've been hearing on the news all about our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka. And they're undergoing huge persecution. Huge persecution. Their church is being burnt. Their family's taken away. Who will stand for Jesus? Who will stand for Jesus and say, I am his? It costs to follow Jesus. It might be the first time you're ever really considering it. And I don't mean to say that with any sign of, what's the word? Patronism. Patronizing. Patronizing. Because I didn't get it for years and years and years. I still not fully got it. Because confession is not the same as submission. I confessed to Jesus being my Lord when I was 12 years old. I was 19 when I was on the floor with my knees and the tears pouring down my face, saying, only your glory. From 12 to 19, I tried to live the way I wanted to live. But Jesus got me to a point and said, I'm not just your friend or your saviour. I have to be Lord of your life. Confession is not the same as submission. Listen to this. The Garden of Gethsemane. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass for him. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. True. Yeah? True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. True, you can heal me. True. True, you can move the mountains. True. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. We're okay to ask. We're okay to be vulnerable. We're okay to be truthful to Jesus. Yet, not that I will but you, what you will. Then he returns to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? That's how I interpreted him saying it. <laughs> Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? 
Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Would you? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us go. Look, here comes my betrayer. I believe the Garden Oliver. I believe the Garden of Gethsemane was the most significant and powerful time of Jesus' life. I don't see 5,000 people in the garden. And there, where is the woman with the issue of blood? Any demonstration of the power of God in the garden, in front of lots of people? Nope. Where is blind Bartimaeus in the garden? Where's Lazarus when he comes to the garden? Where are the miracles? Where are the demonstrations of the power of God? Who is there to watch in the garden? When he goes to the garden, he goes there alone. Okay, he had his friends, but basically he could have been alone. You might argue with me and say the greatest moment of his life was the cross. And I understand why you would say that. Because it is at the cross that my sins were paid for, that my debt was dismissed. It was there that the curses were broken from my life. It was there where Satan's grip was prized from my throat by the blood that tripped from his brow. It was at the cross where I saw the light of my own sin and shame being handed over to Jesus who sacrificially took the punishment for my sin upon himself. It was at the cross where mercy flowed over justice. It was at the cross where the law gave way to grace. It was at the cross, the cross, the wonderful, wonderful cross, the cross where we praise and thank God. Yes, he needed to go to the cross. The cross was pivotal. He was not only the offering, he was the offerer. Yeah? He wasn't just the priest, he was the lamb. He was the one and only deliverer. For thine be the power, the glory forever. The kingdom is his. And in his hand he offered himself at the cross. But I submit to you this morning that the cross was settled before the first nail was put in his hand. Yeah. The cross was settled before the Roman soldiers took him to the council. Before they pierced his side with blood poured out onto the ground. It was settled not in a public display of power, but in the private struggle of prayer. Dave has often said, you're no more publicly than you are privately. It's not the public demonstration of power that counts before the Almighty. That's the fruit of it. But it's the inward groaning of submission on a daily basis to the only one who you can find out what the true will of God is for your life. It is in the place where it's not easy And you don't often know what's going on. But it's in that place where you have to find out what the perfect will of God is for your own life and for the body of Christ generally. 
So back to the text. He's come to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Gethsemane was where the olives were pressed into oil. You might already know this. So if I asked you how much oil costs, anybody who cooks with it might give me some figures. £3, 50 depends if you go for extra virgin olive oil. Or Tesco's own. Depends how much you're willing to pay for it, okay? You might be able to give me some figures. But your answer would be wrong. Because you'd be telling me how much you had paid for it. But you would not be telling me how much it cost. If you want to ask how much it costs, you don't ask the consumer, you ask the olive. Because for the olive, the olive knows that the secret to those precious drops of oil, the flesh had to be crushed and squeezed. And more pressure was applied until the oil was released. Jesus has come to the Garden of Gethsemane. It is literally the place of pressing. It is the place where oil is produced. It is no accident that Jesus had to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He couldn't have prayed on the banks of the Jordan. That's not where you're pressed. He couldn't have prayed on the boat. It's not where you're pressed. He had to come to the Garden of Gethsemane. Where are all the people? All gone. Where are the lights? All out. He brings only his inner circle and he asks them that simple request. Watch with me while I pray. So I'm going to put a pin in it for a second because I'm going to talk to you about toothpaste. Okay? You might not know anything about squeezing toothpaste out of a tube. But we have, you might not know, an Olympic champion toothpaste squeezer in our family. Richard <laughs> is the toothpaste squeezer and I challenge you to challenge him on removing toothpaste from a toothpaste tube. Yeah? Now, We've learnt, because we get to a point, I just think, I just want to start the new tube, okay? Richard has grown in grace, because he used to say to me, there is still toothpaste in the tube. Use that one first before going to the new. Now, he prepares it for me. <laughs> yeah? He rolls it really tightly. Puts all the pressure till it gets to the top. And the girls say to me and then the bathroom, Mummy, they haven't learnt yet. I, toothpaste is finished. Then suddenly, out he comes. <laughs> Who says what? <laughs> oh, no. There is still enough toothpaste in that toothpaste, and then he does, he puts pressure, and he will get it out. It only gets a point where he says, you're right, we can't get anything out of that. It's the day we put it in the bin. So what does toothpaste, squeezing toothpaste, have to do with what I'm talking about? Probably nothing much. 
Okay. But the father brought the son to the place of pressing so that the glory inside him might be expelled out. And the greater the pressure, the greater the treasure. We often think to see someone standing up the front displaying things like healing, brilliant. Seeing demons come out, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> it's part of the kingdom of God. But where does it start? We're sometimes, we're waiting, and I've done it myself, so I'm speaking, we're waiting, we're crying, Spirit of God, pour out on me so that we can see your kingdom come. No, no, no. Press me, press me, press me. Press me, Jesus. Get me on the floor and press me. I need the glory to come from my life. The only way the kingdom grows is when pressure is applied. We will see that stuff, but we've got to be able to handle it. We can't hang a hammock on a dandelion. It does, it won't hold the pressure. We won't be able to hold the kingdom of God if we don't have submissive hearts that are ready, that are ready to say, whatever Jesus, whatever Jesus, whatever Jesus. This is a generation, I'm part of it, who thinks we can receive anointing by laying hands on somebody. And it does happen. But I just want to challenge us that the big things, the things that God wants to give us comes through submission and submitting our lives. Jesus is looking for laid down lovers. Okay? Jesus did that stuff, but it came from a place of submission to his father. Someone even said to him one day, good teacher, he said, who's you calling? Good. Jesus said it. Only my father in heaven is good. He was submitted to his father. And when we get to that place, we can say, yea, though you slay me, so will I trust you. So will I trust him, even if he slays me, because we're submitted to him. You are better in trouble than you are at any other time. When you're pushed to the point of surrendering prayer, the power of God explodes in your life. Have you ever been in that place? I have a few times. If Dave is God, Hazel is man. Come up here. Have you been in that place where God is not moving from what he says? In fact, he's saying nothing. Yeah? You go to man and they're sleepy for some help. Yeah? You go back to God and he's saying nothing. You go to man and they're no help. And then you feel a bit like this because you don't know where to go. You don't know where to go. You don't know where to go until, until you press into Jesus so hard that glory spills out. Yeah? And then you can say, thank you, then you can say, thank you, my friend, for not being a help to me. <laughs> thank you for your non-help, friend. In fact, Job got it, didn't he? Thank you, because if I'd got advice from you, I might never press in to my father and received the glory that came from surrendering and pressing in in prayer. Thank you.
In fact, maybe all of us, when we go home, should text someone who's not been there and just simply say, thank you. <laughs> we get to hear Jesus struggling with this prayer in submission. He doesn't struggle to walk on water, did he? He didn't struggle when he taught, turned water into wine, the best glass you've ever tasted. He didn't, he didn't struggle when he cast the demons out of the man on the hill and they went into the, to the pigs. He didn't grab the man and shake him and go, come out, come out, did he? He didn't struggle with that. He said, get out, out. He didn't struggle with that. But when it comes to submission, he prayed three times. Three times is a lot of prayer for Jesus. <laughs> he struggled with it because it is something to do with us. We have to, this thing is the core of what God wants from us, to get down on our knees. If you want to really find Jesus, if we really want to find Jesus, we need to get on the floor. Because your master washed your master bent his knee it's not the glamour it's not the lights Jesus will be on the floor because he understands humility and he understands service I want to be part of a generation that understands that to see the glory of God leaking out of us into the streets is not going to be found dancing on the rooftops. It's the expression of our love is dancing on the rooftops. But we're going to find it when we get on the floor. When we learn to submit every day and say yes to Jesus finding out what his perfect will for us is. Submission says yes to Jesus, even when it's hard, uncomfortable, messy, or dark. When I was all gung-ho for being a missionary in my early 20s, I went to this little village church, so arrogant, sitting there thinking, what am I going to hear today? The woman got up and said, some people think they may be called to missions, Okay, start listening. If you really want to go where Jesus goes, prepare to go where it's dark. And that made me sit up and listen. Do I really want to do what Jesus does? But it's true. And the only way we can get there is in prayer. So, done that bit. I believe a missing link in seeing the power of God in his church is through submission. I really do. This next scripture <clears throat> tells us that. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Don't lose it. And went out and sold all he had. People don't like it. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? I've sold everything I've got. You don't get it. You have got to die. 
You have got to strip everything off and say, not me, but Jesus. We've got to say, I am, will, I am willing to sell all I have in this life to get that field where that treasure is. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. It doesn't say he found it and bought it. Quite often, I was saying to Rich, quite often we've done this in the international group. Who wants to invite Jesus into their life? Yeah? You didn't do this well. You were really good with it, Dave. Who wants to give their life to Jesus? <laughs> but so we've done, I mean, as a children, we said that. Mm, okay. He can come into my life. He can come into my life. I'll let him in. It's not what you're asked to do. It's not. It's not. Who wants to sell off everything they have for the treasure they are going to have in Jesus? Amen. Who is going to sell everything they have to buy that field? That is the kingdom of God that we are called to. Again, in Matthew, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This is the gospel. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Not everything God calls us to do, he does, but it's about the heart. When I was um, in my 20s, I went to this Keswick convention. I'd been praying, praying for a husband, looking forward to stuff. I got to this Keswick convention, and um, I'd, when I was younger, I'd had a song I wanted to sing at my wedding. Girls do that kind of stuff. I'd chosen a song I would sing at my wedding. It would be the first song. It was the so first song at our wedding. I'd chosen this song, that was the first song would be in my wedding. I'd promised God I would sing this song because it was something that meant so much to me. I got to this Keswick convention and I was standing there worshipping and the Holy Spirit said to me, Leah, will you give up husband and children for me? I stood there. And to make it worse, or better, on, come, on comes my song. Yeah, yeah. On comes my song. And I stood there and I was weepy. And I had to make a decision. And I had to say, I didn't choose my life. I chose Jesus. Hallelujah. And that point of submission for me, I said yes. Then the guy at the top, and this is no, this is truth. The guy at the front then said, I believe God is asking people to surrender in this yes. room today. <laughs> if he has asked you to surrender, and then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is really laying it down now. Come to the front, we'll have people pray for you. This woman took me behind and she prayed for me. And, she, and I, I told her, and she wept. Oh, Leah, she's going, oh, Leah. And I kind of made that point. And I, she said, you know what? God might not keep you through that. He might just want to know where your heart is. Yes, true. Yeah? Yes. And I 
went from that point, and that, I promise you, that was the point I started seeing God move powerfully in my life. It wasn't because I positioned myself. It wasn't because I'd suddenly got, I'd become good at something. I hadn't been prayed for. I submitted. And it was only because he loved me and I knew his love, I was able to submit. I wasn't special. I just had to say, I choose you. Obviously, I have now got a family and I have got children. But I tell you something, and Richard knows this. I, I look at my family and I love them to bits, but I don't depend on them fully in the same way that I probably would have done years ago because I don't have that I need. Yeah? I know at that point in time was pivotal to me. I thank God for my husband. I thank God for my children. I, I, they make up part of my life. They fill every part of it. But Jesus yes. is the core. And that happened on that day. Hallelujah. That happened on that day. Likewise, months before we lost Reuben, I was singing. I had this song in my heart, singing, singing, singing out this is my song in the desert i will praise you even if it all goes wrong he was preparing me are you willing to still praise me if this happens and the day before we lost our first baby i said to richard we went for a walk do you remember this i said to richard even if i don't get to hold this baby and for some reason we lose this baby i will still praise jesus because he's first in my heart. He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> it got a bit funny. And, and I, I don't know what that was, but I knew I had to submit. So when we, I had a couple of people saying to me, oh, it's bravado, all this. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus, coming out of Leah's mouth. Praise Jesus when she's just lost a baby. Praise Jesus. It didn't happen when I lost Reuben. It happened in that place of prayer when I said, you, Jesus you Jesus and so on the day when it happened it was well with my soul I suffered like anybody would suffer afterwards because you do but the core didn't change because that submission happened like Jesus it happened before the actual thing came to be Paul got it Paul got it but whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. That's the heart of us all, isn't it? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Become like him in his death. And somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead.
Oh, not yet. Ooh, she's lost her footing. It's our call to restore the kingdom of God by submitting. If he washes my feet, as he told Peter, my whole body is going to be clean. I think that's to do with humility and submission. I think that's to do with when he washes my feet and I learn humility and being submissive to my master and submissive to my husband and submissive to my children, then purity of Christ lives in my life. I can then go out with the gospel of peace into the, into the streets because I go submitted to the will of Christ. The whole earth is groaning, as we've been singing about this morning, for that obedience to be restored, to that submission to the master, as it was in the beginning of time. We're going to finish, I'm going to finish this morning with two things. First of all, I don't often dream, but I had a dream. I don't know when it was. And I was walking into this river, pool thing and I went in and God said to me enjoying it yeah love it love it it's lovely in here good good go a little bit further down so I went a bit further down still enjoying it yeah love it love it then he asked me a question here comes submission do you want to go down to that bit down there and it was deep and it was a bit swirly and I was like, but if I go down there, I can't put my feet down. And God said, exactly. If you go down there, you won't be able to have your feet on the ground. You'll have to rely on me. And as I walked down there, I, I, it got worse. And, and my feet came up off the ground and I sunk like this. Just my head was bobbing on the water and Jesus said to me now you see things differently in the position of humility look what you can see now and I could see out and there was like grass and little creatures going all over the place and all this stuff going on I would never ever be able to see it from here and God said to me you have to trust me if you're going to go deeper you have to submit to me if you're going to go deeper and you have to learn humility, humility is key to see the kingdom of God come. The people that you're going to watch now, I chose this in line with what we're talking about. Um, a lot of you might have heard of Heidi Baker. <clears throat> I love her, absolutely love her. I love her for loads of reasons. One of them is because I, I, she was dyslexic like me, God healed her like me. I've got a little few things that I think, oh yeah, I love her because she says yes to Jesus every day. And she knows it's so simple, but it costs her a lot. And in this video, you're going to see a wonderful testimony. So we're talking about missions and submission. In this, you're going to a wonderful testimony about um, a witch doctor and his girlfriend who, who give their lives to Jesus. But what happens before that happens? And she was in her, she doesn't say this, but I've read it in a different thing. She was in her tent 
And again, she was saying, whatever today happens, Jesus, it's you first and I'm with it. I'm with you. And she was submitting and spending time with God. The second thing is during the video, you'll see that she doesn't think anything belongs to her. She's given it all up. And you'll see that, the submissiveness of doing whatever God wants. And the submission of the people who go out to these places and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. So we'll, we'll just finish by watching this wonderful testimony. In the village of Imperi, it was amazing. We had the huge privilege of going out on outreach on Thursday and Friday. Me and Miss Heidi and a whole bunch of people went out in the bush, had a great time Thursday night. Lots of people healed and saved, delivered. It was beautiful. Just fantastic. Friday morning, we woke, we woke up and we're blessing the chief and we're greeting everyone, having a blast. And some people came and said, um, there's a man with some snakes. He was a witch doctor. His girlfriend was a witch doctor. She had leprosy. She had no, um, no fingers left, no toes left, just little stubs. And he was there with three puffer adders, these crazy venomous snakes. And he came to just disrupt everything. And we just prayed and I talked to him and I just literally challenged him. And the Lord gave me a word for him that he was really, really tired. And I just said, you're so tired. You're tired of darkness. And even some of you watching, you know, I'm tired of darkness. I want to come into the light. Well, this man just looked at me and I, I told him, we have to kill your snakes. And I've killed a lot of snakes, you know, venomous snakes are always there to hurt. When he sat down on the ground, I just saw the weight of the glory of the Lord just sitting on top of him. And so when he sat down, I knew that he was going to get saved today. So we dug a really big hole in the name of Jesus. Those three venomous snakes just burned up. And the witch doctor came to Jesus. His girlfriend came to Jesus. It was so powerful. There was just suddenly this peace around them. Like God just put this glory peace around them. I was standing next to the witch doctor and he looked out at his hands and as that, all of that, all of that was burning, the serpents were burning, all of the venom and blood began to come out of his hands because he had been bitten many times. They began to come out of his hands and he looked down and I looked over and I put my hands on his hands and I just said in the name of Jesus. And God completely healed the man. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people. And they will get well. So I asked him, do you want to be baptized? And he said, yes, I want to be baptized. And I said, are you committed to each other? Do you want to be married? And he said, yes, we want to, we want to be married. We want to be married before God. We're now we're going to follow Jesus. So the Lord just said, give him the ruby and diamond ring. And I was like, yes, Lord. And tell her she's a princess. Just put the ruby and diamond ring on her finger. 
and just kiss her hands. You know, no fingers. Leprosy just takes your fingers off of it. And uh, she, she was just undone. And they looked each other in the eyes. And, and we did their vows right down there by the baptismal water. And I said, you want to be baptized now? What I saw was just the weight of the love of the glory of Christ overtake all of that evil. And there wasn't a showdown, it wasn't a fist fight. We weren't fighting like you would think. The way that we, the way that it was completely overcome was by the love of Christ. And it was just the power of God. Of course, the whole village saw it, and we found out later that this man was hated and feared by everyone because he was so dangerous. The police couldn't stop him, no one could kill him. And now he's a man of God, and the whole village watched. So now they're, they're set free from the demons. They're set free from the evil power of the snakes and all the witchcraft. And they've come to know Jesus as their Savior. Now they're married. And then they came and they went into the baptismal waters. We are alive for such a time as this. testimonies <laughs> okay I'm gonna finish there but what I I just want to leave all of us with is I just want us to challenge ourselves to go to that private place of prayer where nobody else is around and to say to God I want to give you my life if you find that difficult Tell him that. There's no shame in that. If you feel that you struggle to give up what God has asked you to give up, tell him that. It's a process in our heart. But he loves us. He loves us. And he's so, so jealous for our heart, our spirit that is within us. That's why he gives us more grace. From 12 to 19... I don't even, that we won't even go there for me. He didn't leave my side. Hallelujah. The grace of God, the love of God, compels us to go to him. And I believe that's what that thing was when he found the treasure. He understood the love of God and he thought, it's worth it all. It's worth it all to know Christ in all his faculties. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to your church today by your spirit. Not only that Leah has brought God, but I believe you've been speaking to us. Telling us that this world isn't our world. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. Father, that we're not to build on sand, but to build on the rock. Father, we believe you have many thousands in this town. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to transform our city. 
and we all have a role to play. It may be big, it may be small, but we understand, God, that it's not everything that happens here on a Sunday morning. It's not the songs. It's just part of it. It's an expression of it. God, I pray that each one here would come to their own garden and allow themselves to be pressed, that a little bit more of the glory of God will come out. A little bit more. For those of us who have been the same for many years, Father, we repent of that. That's not, that's not what you intended for your disciples. Change from glory to glory. May there be a step up in glory today in my life and in the lives of the people here as we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.